Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Q&As. It's Thursday morning, so hopefully enough people had time to get their questions in, but if not, as always, if you have any question, just ask wherever it is you support in the latest Q&A post. And if for whatever reason I don't get to it this week, it's usually because the question came in after I was done recording, but while I was still editing. So just please re-ask it in the following week. And it's just the latest Q&A post on all the support services because I can't really figure out what's a new question on an older post. Plus, I like just kind of scrolling through in real time and answering them like I'm about to do for you right here. So let's jump in. First up over on Patreon, Double H wanted to chime in on the question from last week about consoleizing a Game Gear, and they wanted to let Elmer know that if you would like to add a controller to your consoleized Game Gear, they have a project on GitHub called GGNES. It can connect either a Master System or NES controller to your Game Gear. Or if you want to make your own, it has all the wiring and button pins laid out. They've used this on both Tim and McWill's mods, and it works great. Yeah, I forgot to talk about controllers last week. So this is obviously going to be something that works as well. And there's also projects out there that allow you to use a Genesis controller. And you might think, well, if it lets you use the SMS controller, what, wouldn't that also let you use a Genesis? Sort of. But start wouldn't work. And that's the key with some of these other projects is that it integrates the whole thing so that you don't have to mod a controller. You just continue to mod the game gear you were modding anyway. And then it makes it truly a, you know, work with the Genesis controller, start both buttons and everything like that. Uh, and start is just like on the game gear itself would be pause if you're playing SMS games. And uh, I'm not sure about GGNES. If you're using an SMS controller, obviously start wouldn't work, but NES controller, it would be cool if start was added to that as well. So I'm going to leave a link to the GitHub uh, and if anybody's interested in that, but thanks double H for the reminder. I totally forgot to talk about controllers and stuff like that. Next up, Firebrand X also wanted to chime in regarding the Game Gear discussion. FBX said the next big project they're gearing up to work on is a complete redesign of the PCBs for Game Gears. They'll be changing the cap landing pads to modern updates, either tantalum or electrolytic, in addition to various other improvements. The major thing they want to do is redesign the routing such that screen mods like the McWill are much easier to install preferably to the point of plug-and-play if possible. However, they don't want to end up pigeonholing themselves to one particular kit in case it falls out of fashion or is discontinued. What do I suggest for this aspect as well as anything else I could think of? They want to avoid case cuts so that these boards can be put in original Game Gear cases. So the first thing I would do is go listen to the interview I did with Mateus Nilwick, who basically did exactly what you're talking about. And I'm not discouraging your project, I just want... I just want to save you time because rather than doubling efforts, maybe you could take a look at what Mateus did and say, okay, well, I would have done 99% the same, but I would like to change these. Maybe you'd be able to work together to spin off a different version. If it's open source, maybe you could, I'm not sure if it's open source, but if it is, maybe you could fork it to do your own. And I would just kind of take a look at what Mateus did and say, what would I do differently? And his perspective was very much the same as to let's jump in and make this a drop-in replacement. So you don't have to cut any of the shells. You don't have to do anything else. So that's awesome. But how about a consoleized version? And I know that might sound weird and you're certainly not going to sell nearly as many as a drop-in replacement for an original shell. But what about approaching the project so you could do something like 
um, have a custom case made. For years now, I've been seeing pictures of somebody who hand-built a mini Game Gear to look like a mini Master System, which I thought was awesome. But now with all of the different 3D printing companies up out there, you know they're expensive, but you could get basically something that isn't quite as good as injection molding, but very close for high prices, but you could probably design all of that. So maybe take a look at what Mateus did and see if you would approach it slightly differently, or if maybe he absolutely nailed what you would do, have done and you want to look at it a different way. But obviously do whatever makes you happy. If Even if you just want to go about doing the exact same thing, but do it your way, that's fine too. But I definitely wanted to bring it up because maybe rather than double efforts, you could do something completely different just to add a totally different option and something else that could be done. So uh, it's funny to see the this Ponsa podcast is sponsored by Riverside on this post, by the way. I should go back and delete all of those. That didn't exactly work itself out. But anyway, yeah, I would just go and listen to that interview, and I would kind of go through and check out Mateus's Instagram. I'll leave a link to all of that and see what you would do different, if anything, and go from there. But I think it would be very fun to have a consoleized Game Gear that's designed specifically for that. Maybe you could even talk to Tim and work together to have that kit built in as well so that you could have one motherboard with all of this stuff built in. Maybe even have a cartridge port so you could have it top-loading just like a, a SMS or if not, have it, have it kind of look like an SMS but instead of the Master System a card slot that's where you would put the game gear cart lots of cool things the only thing i would suggest is absolutely definitely keep the link port because even though it's consoleized you could still have somebody else plug in their game gear and sit next to you and and have a head-to-head -head game and even though that's going to be even fewer people that would buy than would buy a consoleized game gear motherboard you know it's very little work to keep that on there so i would i would definitely keep that going but yeah it's a great idea also very happy to to hear that you you found an apartment and uh you know you're you're getting in so it's uh, i know moving is always rough and dealing with stuff like that so happy to hear you you're back and you're doing well tony escobar said the mr flicker saga conclusion after their usb hub died they plugged a brand new de10 nano without any of the other stuff connected to it with the old micro sd card directly into their tv and the flickering persisted after they got Pork's new power supply, the 5-volt, 5-amp one, the flickering still persisted, so it turned out not to be a hardware issue. After all that, the background flicker and they suspect signal drop turned out to be a software issue, the 512-gigabyte microSD cards. Remember, they tried two different microSD cards, but they were both pre-configured 512-gigabyte cards, so it occurred to them to try one of the stock 8-gigabyte cards that came with the misters they've gotten from Mr. Add-ons, and no flicker. They tested the 8GB card in various misters that were flickering, and the flicker was gone. The background was rock-stable. They're calling this one done. Well, until their OCD forces them to wipe the large cards and install fresh mister builds, but they'll save that for later. All right, Tony, I, I, hate, I hate to say this. You've, you've been so patient, and you've tried all of this stuff, but there is one last step you got to do. Format one of the 512 gigabyte ones and completely start from scratch. And you, you kind of have to do this for all of us here, because if it's a software issue, then it's really not going to be that big of a deal. Hey, 
if your mystery card gets messed up, if something's weird, back up your games, or if you're running retro NAS, you don't need to worry about that at all. Format the micro SD card, redo it, and you're done. I've had to do that many times from messing around with stuff, and I don't even know what I broke. Probably just I deleted the wrong folder or something. But if you've actually found brands of 512 gigabyte micro SD cards that cause issues, that is a super vital piece of information. Now, I've ran 512 cards. I've ran one terabyte cards. I don't, I can't remember if I've ever run a two terabyte card. I vaguely remember a friend dropping the cash on one of those and having me do it. But I don't know. I, I can't remember. It was the, the most expensive, basically. My, well, the most expensive Amazon branded micro SD card. It's not one of the super fast ones that you spend a lot of money on. But I've never had a problem follow the card itself. So if it was the software one, that would at least make sense, especially if it was pre-configured, because if somebody is using like a clone image tool to clone these cards, then it's very possible that a few things could have hiccuped along the way, especially if it's a slightly older build, then you go to update Mr. and things are a little different. So thank you so much for your patience. Uh, thank you for going step by step and doing it publicly so we could all learn with you, but you got to do one more for us. Uh, and and then that'll really find the solution for everybody that might run into this. Also, I was dead serious. If you ended up buying an extra DE10 and you didn't need it, just let me know. I'll pay you exactly what you paid for, including shipping to me. I could probably use one or two more around here. And before any trolls get all down my throat over this, I end up using them for new builds and selling them at cost, never a markup as people need them. So it's it's not like I'm sitting on 20 DE10s because I'm hoarding them, one for every display behind me. It's I, I use them for production stuff and then get my money back, buy another one, et cetera, et cetera, because it's, you know, I don't like disassembling something that's working absolutely perfect when I know people need these things and I could get them out to other developers and stuff like that. So let me know definitely if you, uh, if you bought one or two extras and I think I could probably buy up to two of them. I think I have two people that, that need me to, to get one together for them, but thanks for your patience. Thanks for working on this. And this is all really interesting. Now, the, the good news and the bad news, you wasted some money on some stuff, but I actually don't think that you did. Buying a couple of extra HDMI cables that you know are good quality means that you have tools in your toolbox that when it comes to expensive you know, electronic equipment, I would call those cheap. Also, your power supply, having a better power supply is never a bad idea, never. So maybe you, excuse me, maybe you didn't need to buy all of that stuff, but I, I that's... I feel way worse about you wasting time than the money on that because at least all of the extra stuff that you bought for it are things that you could absolutely use. So at least you don't have to worry about that, I guess, is a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel here. But I'm really glad that we worked this out. Thanks again. JD Silva just discovered something about their PVM 1340 that they thought was strange and wanted to see if I'd ever heard of it before. With the Super C Arcade Core being released in beta on Friday, they were eager to load it up on the old mister and give it a go. They fired it up knowing it's a vertically oriented game, but just left their monitor as is while they got things set up and had no issues. They've had this monitor on its left side before to play the Contra Arcade Core, among other vertically oriented games, but Super C was oriented the other way, meaning the monitor would need to be on its right side. Well, holy hell, the colors were a freaking mess when they put it on its right side. They spent a bunch of time troubleshooting everything in the whole chain, and they could say with complete certainty that everything is totally fine when the monitor is just sitting down like normal or on its left side. But if they put it on its right side, 
things are very, very off color-wise. Have I ever heard of this before? And is there any such thing as monitors that can only tate in one direction? So I've heard of people having issues, sort of similar issues, but I would trouble start troubleshooting a little bit further. And while I'm going to be completely speculating here, basically guessing, making shit up, uh, it's all based on a lot of experience working with stuff like this. So every word I say might end up being BS, but just hear me out just in case. My first thing, my gut is telling me that the first thing to check is mechanical. So are there broken brackets inside the monitor? Because remember, these are minimum 20 years old. They've been moved around. Uh, is there some uh, wiring harness, something that when it's laying on its right side, it's pushing up against those, causing something to short together, causing some weirdness, ca uh, hopefully not, but causing the neck and the neck board to, to, um, to warp or bend a little bit. So what I would do is uh, if you're strong enough to, to rotate it yourself in air, if not grab a friend, I can still do this with uh, 14 inches, but I think, um, I think my back, and I'm getting weaker, so I don't think I could do this with a 20 inch anymore, but basically pick this up and then make sure that it's still working fine. And while it's powered on and running, rotate it and hold it in there. Once again, you're probably going to want to get a friend or two to help and see if just holding it in air with nothing putting pressure on its right side, do the colors still get crazy? Also, if not, if the colors do not get crazy, try to agitate it a little bit very carefully and very lightly kind of wiggle it you know rotate it shake it but not when i say shake it don't shake it like you're mixing a protein shake shake it like just like you're bumping a table just lightly just like imagine that scene in jurassic park where the water is moving like just that little bit of a bump just to see if anything in there could affect it also if not lower it closer to your desk because maybe it's something on your desk or, or table or something like that. And one of the things that I've found interesting that I've run into lately is the direction of magnetic fields. So the CRT itself has a magnetic field around it, so do speakers. However, I got a new subwoofer, a used Velodyne, not one of the super expensive ones, but it's still a good one. And the speaker in it is pointed sideways, not down like my previous subwoofer. So I put it in the corner with the speaker facing into the room and it drove the colors on my CRTs on that side crazy. So I tried aiming the speaker into the room, but up against the wall. So the opposite turned it left just as bad. But then when I rotated it around and aimed the subwoofer speaker towards the wall, which I know, I, I know audiophiles are probably rolling their eyes and are about to yell at me for doing that, but it still sounds amazing. And zero difference to the CRT. And I did my test with the DSLR and an all white screen just to make sure that there isn't even a small, tiny bit of interference and there isn't. So there could be something with a, a magnet around your station that's not affecting it at all in the other positions. Now that's way less likely than mechanical, but it's something that's worth mentioning, which is why I said kind of if you hold it in the air and you turn it sideways and there's no color difference, lower it down slowly. And if you're lowering it down slowly and the colors slowly go crazy, that's probably what it is. Some kind of interference. Way less likely. But, I, you know, if you're already taking the time to have your friends come over and hold your monitor in midair, you probably are going to want to just do extra tests like that. Um, I think that's all I got now. Mechanical. And uh, 
mechanical stuff. And, you know, it could be maintenance-based. It could be that you have some capacitors that are, you know, slowly starting to bulge. And in every other orientation, they're still fine, but same thing, mechanical. You put it on its side, something sort of smushes up against it and pushes on them. So <clears throat> I would kind of start with those and see where you go. Now, the good news is almost all vertically oriented games that I've found on Mr. can be rotated in the service menu. So just by going into the using the Mr.'s menu to get into the service menu, you could rotate it that way and then just save the core and you don't have to do it every time you boot. There were a few that didn't have it in the service menu that the people who wrote the Mr. Core allowed you to rotate it. And I think there's only a handful that just there's no options whatsoever for it yet. So, uh, you know, knowing Hotego, at some point, there's going to be a rotation option for you. Um, I know he mentioned there wasn't one now, but I thought he was talking about for HDMI so that you could center it in the middle of your digital display. I didn't, I don't know if he, if he also meant for analog output, but just go into the service menu of that core and see what happens. So the good news is for excuse me, for future use, you're probably going to be fine once the next beta or two is released for it. But I think it would be really neat to kind of go through and do these, <coughs> excuse me, do these troubleshooting steps so that you could kind of find out and let us all know what happened. And that way, uh, that way we could kind of see, or maybe there, this is a known issue for the 1340 and maybe I'm just half asleep and not remembering, but I, I don't think so. I think I would have kind of remembered this if somebody had brought it up to me before. So do some of those tests if you wouldn't mind and kind of let us know what happens. Adam Adam Ant has a question about a Game Gear. Lots of Game Gear stuff this week. I love it. Uh, if you have a Game Gear with a trashed VA5 motherboard from battery acid and cap fluid and a VA1 single ASIC motherboard without the single ASIC, does the VA5's single ASIC work on a VA1 single ASIC motherboard? The part numbers are a little different, so the pinouts are probably different, but they wasn't sure if anyone has actually tried that yet. They can't find VA5 schematics to verify any kind of potential crossover. So I would actually reach out to Mateus about this, the person I talked about before. And it's my opinion. I'll share my opinion first, and then we'll go back to facts. But remember, this is only my opinion, so don't, don't listen if you have another idea for this. But if you're going to take the time to remove that ASIC, which is not easy, you, know, you have to be very careful, use a hot air gun and all that stuff, and transplant it onto another motherboard, you might really want to consider using one of Matase's motherboards because you have to do that anyway with his. And they're brand new, they're designed with longevity in mind, drop-in replacements. The only thing is they require you to have an upgraded screen in it. But, I mean, I kind of think if you're going through a lot of this trouble, you probably were going to do that anyway. So... I would contact Matej first and just tell them, hey, you have a VA5 motherboard with an ASIC. Can I use that on your boards? I actually think his website probably lists all that anyway. And if so, maybe that's your answer. Now, obviously, you got to buy the board when you already own your other one. There could be a million reasons why you're, you're probably thinking, yeah, thanks, Bob, but I already know that answer my question. And I don't know the answer to that. So you might also want to just reach out and say, hey, do you know if they're compatible? Because Mateus would probably have run into situations where, you know, if I have a single ASIC Game Gear motherboard replacement, are there differences in those eight single ASICs? So I would kind of give that a try and see. Um, and I'll see if I could, I linked to the the uh, interview before, I'll also see if I could link directly to any information that Mateus might have about this. But 
please let me know either right here. Pub- Actually, probably if you don't mind, let me know what the answer is here so that anybody listening who's also curious would know the answer to it. But yeah, I would just kind of consider both and just see if this is something that, you know, you want to take on a totally different project or if you just want to stick with your original because, you know, I, I do- totally get it, right? What if you already have a, a different original motherboard that you've already taken the time to fully restore and you know you don't have to buy anything else. I already got it. I, I understand that perspective of it, but I think this might actually be the perfect case for using one of Matase's boards. But let me know what you think, and let me know what the answer is if you find it. Because uh, if you don't mind, because I think a bunch of other people would probably want to know the answer to that. Well, that's it for this week. I already talked about where to leave your questions if you're new to these Q and A's at the beginning, so I won't repeat myself again. But I do always want to thank everybody. I want to thank you for participating in them, and I especially want to thank anybody who supports in any way because it's honestly you who keeps all of this stuff going. And the Q and A's, while they're fun for me, are also a way that I like to try to thank people who support. And you know, I do get people complaining now and then, be like, "Oh, so you charge people for answers?" Anybody that checks any of my social media in the YouTube comments knows that I'll try my best to help as many people as I can, as much as I can. But these Q&As are a thank you for everybody who supports monthly, because while using the affiliate links are a massive part of how I'm able to keep doing this, so are the monthly support. So I just, this is kind of like a fun way to interact with supporters and just show everybody that I really am truly appreciative and I try to take these seriously. I try to take my answers seriously while also having fun with this at the same time. So I just wanted to thank everybody again as usual and hopefully uh, I will see you all next week.